And then I just uh, go like this. Yeah, the best yeah. way to move the mic is by the arm or like the circular okay. ring. Jackson can move it too if, if it's not comfortable. Okay. No, it's all good. It's got, good. got like a nice uh, spit guard here. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's perfect. <laughs> and then we're not going to do cameras because we're just fed up at this point right now with cameras. Yeah, no yeah. worries. It's all good, man. That, that's good. And then I was able to dress like a hobo today. Oh, Jackson, know? we oh, helped. Yeah. <laughs> Oops, here we go. Uh, okay, perfect. Okay, and since there's no camera, it's like I don't really have to like look at any. I can just look at you guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah you can close yeah. your eyes. You can pretend we're <laughs> okay. You can do whatever helps. So just just for fun, how do you pronounce my last name? Paulella. Close. What? I've been telling all of them Paulella. Su- su- super close. Um, so so say pa in the front. Pa. Yeah. Paulella. 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 Yeah. Okay. Paulella. 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 No pal. No pal. Yeah, yeah, well, pa. well, thing is, in when I've been to Italy, they say Paulella. Oh they, yeah. They, they kind of shout it too because Italians are loud. <laughs> but yeah, but, but are. here in the states, it's it's Paulella. But then but then everyone just calls me Tony P. That's like it's just. And it's literally become a brand because I get this crazy name that's hard to spell and pronounce. So, freaking freaking Guidos. Yeah. I know they suck. <laughs> well, yeah, he's Vizioni. That's why we call him Sunny. Yeah, I'm, my my like my dad's side is very Italian, and I got the name Sunny, the nickname from the movie The Godfather. Yeah. And then my brother is Bruno. Nice. So it's like I love when also like yeah, I'm Sunny Vizioni. Like. Are you Italian? Yeah. Yes. Yes, I no. am. Yes, Naturally. I, am. I, I, always, I always mess with people. I'm like, I'm like, I'm Irish. I drop the O in the front, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, hey, Tony Opalala. How you doing? Great guest today. Uh, he's known mostly for his Tony P's networking events and uh, the co-founder of Wine and Shy, uh, Green and Shy, and the king of networking in the city of Chicago, um, Tony Palola. Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for having me on. Appreciate you. <laughs> Give myself a round of applause. <laughs> Appreciate you coming here and making the uh, drastic walk in this crazy cold. Yeah, yeah, it was it was so far away. <laughs> so it was a whole it was a whole four blocks. <laughs> no, no kidding. Uh, the way I love getting these uh, interviews started is I love going back to like the high school days. Of course. And I love figuring out kind of how uh, how you were as a high school student, like you know where you're yeah. from, stuff like that, uh, childhood ish, and then um, what what from high school or like going into the next level of, of college, like how you got there and stuff like that. You, you got it, man. So you just want me to start with high school? Yeah. Okay. So uh, well, first, is to let you all know, I'm uh, youngest of five kids. Um, I got uh, a Roman Catholic Italian father and a Ukrainian Jewish mother. So uh, always been referred to as a pizza bagel. So it's, like, <laughs> so, uh, so it's kind of get, I kind of the best of both worlds. Uh, you get the, the Catholic guilt, the Jewish guilt, and uh, family gatherings always were while we're on eating, you know, no matter what side of the family it is. So, <laughs> so you basically got to eat everything. Otherwise, you're going to insult somebody. So oh, yeah. <laughs> um, that's why I'm kind of a little bit neurotic, too. Uh, being the youngest of five kids and having the this this kind of blood coursing through my veins with these uh, crazy parents and family members. Um, 
So yeah, it's like my dad's side of family, it's like pretty much central casting out of Sopranos, and my mom's side of family is like Kirby Enthusiasm Seinfeld characters. <laughs> I mean, I guess stereotypes exist for a reason, right? <laughs> what a family to grow up in. Though. Oh yeah. 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 And uh and it's pretty cool too because um I'm looking around the room here and it's like and I see a lot of things that are kinda like part of my life too and, and growing up and uh especially I'm looking at the Boston album over there because oh, yeah. um being the youngest of five kids and, you know, growing up in the, you know, being my formative years were in the seventies. Um, I heard a lot of classic rock growing up, a lot of Boston, Led Zeppelin, Van Halen, you know, Leonard Skinner, uh, Aerosmith, you know, when they were on drugs, you know, and, <laughs> and uh, when, they, when their music was better, you know, yeah. <laughs> before they went all mainstream on us, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, so, uh, I was definitely shaped a lot by my, you know, my upbringing by my older brothers and sisters. So what's kind of interesting was in grade school and high school, it's like I was a little bit more evolved than a lot of my friends in the sense that I was always around older people. You know, it's like my oldest sister is 13 years older than me. Wow. And my oldest brother is 12 years older than me. Then another brother is eight or nine years older. Sister is four years older than I was born. So I was, I was a total oops. I don't think I was planned. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just kind of showed up like, what's up? I'm here. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, but as far as high school goes, um, yeah, I was, uh, in the sports. I mean, growing before high school, I played baseball, football, soccer, I played everything, but I was always a smaller kid, but I was super fast, you know? So when I played baseball, it's like, I'd get on base and I'd steal second and third, like every time and stuff and, uh, football, it's like, no one could catch me because I was really fast. And then, um, you know, all that, and then soccer, I was really fast too, but then, um, when I got to high school, then it's like everybody, everybody was kind of like around the same speed, around the same size, you know? And then, uh, I kind of messed around with gymnastics just for fun and that just clicked, you know? Wow. And, uh, that became my sport through high school. And, uh, and then as far as school went, I don't know, I just always pick up things pretty quick and a good memory. So, uh, school was easy for me. Like grade school, junior high school, I was like, straight A's the whole time. It's like, I don't think the first time I ever got a B in my life was when I went to college because right. uh, school is just, I don't know. I just, I could just look at something once I just knew it. I didn't have to like really think that hard, but then I went to university of Illinois for, for college, which is pretty good school. And it's like, also I'm like, wow, like everybody here is really smart. You know, it's <laughs> like, um, but, uh, but yeah, as far as high school goes, um, I was kind of Ferris Bueller ish in the sense that, I, I kind of fit in a lot of different categories. Like I was in all the honors and AP classes, but then I, most of my friends were, were athletes. They were like football players, wrestlers, you know, soccer players, basketball. And, uh, I don't know. I just kind of, I kind of just fit anywhere. It was like a Swiss army knife, you know, it's like, I just was able to adapt to pretty much anybody. But I think also it helped having, you know, two older brothers and two older sisters to hang around with. Uh, growing up, I just kind of, I just kind of learned a lot and I learned, you know, had a wide variety taste in music and could talk about a bunch of crazy topics. And I don't know, I just, uh, became very worldly at a, at a young age because of that, that upbringing. And then also my parents got divorced when I was very young, which kind of threw things out of whack for a little bit, but it also kind of shaped me because what I realized when I got into high school, it's like, wow, it's like everybody's parents are divorced. It seems, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's a club. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and then, and then the weekends are great because there's always parties because people always 
had you know parents are out of town and stuff you know it's like we all it's like every week we kind of took turns who was going to have a party at their place i mean i had quite a few myself you know so <laughs> so our mom and dad but uh well they knew but um but yeah so uh so yeah as far as that goes um yeah just was always very outgoing and social and just liked uh making friends and having fun but but yeah i'd say growing up though uh sports and academics were like a huge focus for me because um, I just always knew that if you, you know, did well in school, it's like, it kind of looks like a correlation of what you can do with your life, you know? And then with sports, it's like, I don't know, I was, I was a total spazzy kid. It's like, heck, I'm 48. I'm still a spaz, you know? And, uh, so it's like, I needed someone to channel that energy. And then, and plus with sports, it's like you, I mean, you make a lot of friends, you know, you just kind of learn how to get along with people and do stuff, you know? Yeah, so, I so, think that comes from the team mentality, though, that, like, yeah. you know, pretty much every sport has except for golf. Yeah. But, you know, or, <laughs> hey, you know, professional poker. Hey, yeah. they have caddies. <laughs> right, yeah. We are in this together. Two makes a team. Well, well my seven iron. Well, well then, you, well, then you got bowling, but sometimes oh, I'm thinking, yeah. is bowling a sport? Because if you could, like, smoke and drink while you're doing it, is that a sport? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's well, a great question. And it's like, that's how I feel when they televise bags. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, or cornhole yeah, yeah. for some of it's our viewers. bags. It is bags. Bags in this studio. It, in the studio, it's it, bags. It's on ESPN, the Ocho, or whatever. Yeah. 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 <laughs> or like those Olympic marble races. Oh, yeah. You see those? Yep. And it's like, none of these are sports. Yeah. Like, these are all things that children do. Yeah, it's like entertainment, but yeah, it's sports. Yeah, yeah it's like, there's no physical exertion Like, bags is what know? I played growing up in Indiana to pass the time from yeah. growing up in Indiana. <laughs> like- <laughs> so... When so um, going to the U of I, did you have because uh, your older siblings did some of them go to the U of I? Like, what made you choose the U of I? And then I saw that you have a bachelor of science in psychology. Is that what you knew from the start that you wanted to major in? Oh yeah. So okay. So we're opening a whole new can of worms here. <laughs> um, so so uh, yeah. So my sister Linda, who's four years older than me, she actually went to U of I. So and we're four years apart. So. When I was a senior in high school, she was a senior in college. And uh, so I, I visited her a couple of times. And um, and U of I, uh, you know, this was back. This is kind of hilarious, though, because this was in the early 90s. So it's kind of wild that when I was in high school, all the music I listened to is like, you know, like Motley Crue and Poison and, you know, Dokken and just all like Ozzy, like all like hair metal type stuff. And then I go to college in the early 90s, and all of a sudden, the music industry just decided, okay, hair metal, no more. Grunge is a thing now, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so so when I was in college, that's when, like, you know, Pearl Jam and Nirvana and Soundgarden and Alice in Chains, all these bands, like, all of a sudden were, like, the biggest thing out there, you know? Um, and and um, and so to tie this all together, because I'm kind of going on a tangent here, is that... Um, when I was in when I was in high school, uh, I knew that I wanted to go to a good college. Actually, my my dream school was Stanford. That's where I really wanted to go. But I thought, okay, if I don't get in, I'll be like pissed I didn't get in. And if I do get in, I'm not gonna be able to afford it. So, <laughs> and I'll be I'll be like in debt the rest of my life to this very expensive school. So so you have I kind of like checked all the boxes. It's like a great school, like. And this is the early '90s, so like in-state tuition was pretty pretty good back then. I mean, compared to what it is now, now yeah. it's like insane. It's like I don't know how anybody like goes to college in this day and age and actually can afford it. I did. They don't. It's, they can't. It's, 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 it's beyond nuts. Um, 
but uh but yeah so and the other thing too is that when i was in uh high school uh junior and senior year i was a peer counselor so i was kind of like a like a psychologist for people my age who were too scared to talk about stuff with with an adult they want to talk to someone their own age first to kind of figure stuff out so it was mostly like people's parents going through divorce or someone was like failing a class or someone's like you know doing too much with drugs or whatever <laughs> so i so i talked to people then i would refer them to you know someone professionally you know so that's what i kind of thought Ooh, i want to be a psychologist when i grew up you know so when i went to u of i I was like studying psychology and it, and actually it's like, like a top 10 psychology program in the country. And then their grad programs, like top five, whatever. So it was pretty competitive program. And, uh, and I was a peer counselor, my sophomore, junior and senior at U of I as well. And, but then those conversations were far more intense than they were with people in high school, because in college, it's kind of like the, the stress levels are much higher with everything going on. Um, so ironically, yeah, I wanted to be a clinical psychologist, but then I joined a fraternity <laughs> and, uh, that, that kind of changed everything because, um, I, uh, I was, a uh, part of the, uh, social chair committee. And then I was the rush chairman for, uh, for two years. It's kind of hilarious. Cause I'm looking at the animal house. Poster I was just going to say that brings us to the next <laughs> item in the studio. Yeah. So I was, I was basically, I was kind of like, I was basically like otter or whatever. You know? <laughs> alpha Sigma Phi. Yeah. Alpha Sigma Phi. And, and it, and it, University of Illinois, it's the largest Greek system of any college in the world. So there's like 70 fraternities, 50 sororities. And it's not like you have to be in the Greek system if you go to school there, but it definitely opened a lot more doors. Really? Um, okay. Yeah, because I, yeah, and I've always been like pretty social, but, but also too is like what I liked about the fraternity I joined is that you couldn't categorize it because you had everything. I mean, you had guys that were, you know, athletes, you know, on the, on the, you know, on the teams at U of I, you had people that are told like, you know, book nerds, you had, people that were like preppy dudes. I mean, you had a little bit of everything, you know, you had the total stoners. I mean, I, that was probably like half the house. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. Sorry, guys. You're like everyone dabbles. No, no. Yeah, everyone, <laughs> everyone uh, you know, experimented, did a little bit here and there. But, uh, but no, that's why I like joining there because it was a little, a little bit of everything. There was no, um, there's no way you can really stereotype, you know, the fraternity because you had people from all different backgrounds and all that. Um, but the one thing that was a constant though, is that I think half, the, half the guys were from either Schomburg or Naperville though. So <laughs> yeah. go figure. And, uh, and I grew up in Arlington Heights, which is like right next to Schomburg. So it's kind of same thing, but, uh, but yeah, so um, I'm trying to think lost my train of thought there. Sorry. It's been one of those mornings. No, you're fine. What was your first, uh, what was your first job out of college? Oh, uh, well, before before we get there, just to, just to finish up college really quick, um, what I was gonna say is, uh, what the the major shift though is being in the fraternity and being a rush chairman for a couple of years, which is basically like the recruiting slash sales and marketing person. That's when the the light bulb went up in my brain, where it's like, okay, I could be a psychologist and listen to people's problems for the next you know forty fifty years and go crazy, or I could be a sales guy and still go crazy, but make more money, have a little more fun and also not be, you know, six figures in debt for getting a PhD in psychology too. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so kind of like, kind of like my, my, my focus kind of changed. So, so yeah. So when I was out of college, I actually worked for a company that did, um, 
recruiting for uh, Motorola and then a company that I don't think exists anymore called U.S. Robotics, which when you hear the name, you think, oh, do they make like robots or whatever? But no, it was like they actually made uh, uh, modems for phones. And what's funny is that, you know, nowadays, I mean, modems for internet access. So when you're um, on the internet now, you do it on your phone, your computer, it's Wi-Fi, it's like lightning quick. But like this is, you know, in the mid-90s. So it was uh, like 28 point whatever, or 56K, you know, modem, you know, that, that AOL kind of yeah. like screeching noise, you know, you got mail, you know, but it was like, um, but back, dial up. yeah, but it was dial up. And, and, uh, so US robotics like made those modems and they were like the, the coolest company out there back then. Cause that was like the shit, you know, that was like, Oh my God, these things are like internet. Well, wow, it's so fast, you know, and this is, you know, this is back in the mid nineties. So it's like, now it's like, you know, super fast, but, but, any rate, um, so I did recruiting for a company that staffed people for those companies. That for a couple of years, then I worked in uh, I worked for this printing company for a couple of years, doing sales for them. And then in the late '90s was when I made the shift over to technology, and I got into software sales. And I did that for um, wow, like over like 15 years, 15, 20 years in the software technology world. And that's something that I'll, I'll kind of gloss over that because uh, the software technology world was great and that the, the money was good, met a lot of awesome people, got to travel, learned all these cool things. But the thing about technology and software and anything in that, in that realm, it's like, you're only as good as your competition, meaning that I'd sell these products, these solutions that would be like the best in breed, be the coolest thing out there. And then a company out of like China, Russia, or Israel would come up with something like half the price and twice as fast. Yeah. And then all of a sudden our stuff was crap. You know, it's like nobody wanted anymore, you know? And, uh, and that happened like every couple of years. And then the other thing too about being in the technology world is that you're your livelihood ebbs and flows with the economy. So when the economy is doing good, you're selling more than you can ever sell and you're making all this crazy money. Everything's awesome. You know, when the economy is not good and you're selling expensive software to fortune 500 companies, then they, their checkbooks close. They're like, okay, we're, we, we're not interested. We don't need anything right now, you know? And not to be too weird or morbid, but just to exemplify that, um, nine 11, uh, so I was working at a company called Sybase, which is a database software company. And, uh, most people are like, never heard of them, but, but back then they were actually a big deal. But then I say, if you heard of Oracle, everybody's like, yeah, of course we heard of Oracle. So Oracle and Sybase were like head to head in the database software market in the late nineties, early two thousands. And then Oracle just, you know, just ate everybody's lunch, you know, after that. <laughs> um, but what happened though, the big tipping point was, uh, with nine 11, um, all my clients were large banks, insurance companies, financial services, hedge funds, you know, companies like that. So when 9-11 happened and the whole world was like an utter chaos for a while um, and the financial markets got really jacked up, then all those companies obviously, you know, basically shut off like spending on anything, you know. So for like six months, I mean, I, I couldn't sell anything to save my life and then like two thirds of the company got laid off because the company was just like, was just like 
Because I think as Oracle's main competitor, they they work with a lot of different industries. And the company I was with was very much focused on banking, financial, you know, insurance. So in that, those industries were not spending money for several months. I mean, it had this like domino effect where all of a sudden, oh crap, we can't sell anything now, you know? Um, And then then I was out of work for like a year. Um, uh, But at the same time, it's like I had a nice severance package, a bunch of money in the bank. So I just kind of took a year and just kind of goofed around, just had a blast. I'm thinking like, hey, it might be a while till I have a year off like this ever again. But, but yeah, then I got back in the job market again and, 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 um, the world was changed, you know, after nine 11 and, uh, and then, yeah, once I got to get to my early forties several years ago, that's when I realized, okay, I don't know if I can do this technology sales world anymore. It's like the stress is just too much. And, uh, and plus I, I don't know, kind of. Sounds cheesy, but it's, I didn't feel like I was making the world a better place. You know, it's like, cool, I'm, I'm selling expensive stuff to like, you know, Fortune 500 companies. Like, it's like, I'm not, it's like, I'm not really making a difference, you know? Right. <laughs> right. Well, and, and I know, I know you think that sounds cheesy, but I feel like everyone, yeah. like, that's, you want to do put good out there instead of, like, no one's like, I want to put evil into the world. Yeah. I mean, there's probably like a, a handful of people out there that would. Evil? No. <laughs> so is, so, so you've only been because it sounds like you've been in technology more than actual networking, even though you've no, you're known for networking. Oh yeah, so uh, so yeah, so I kind of wanted to kind of lay the groundwork for all the stuff in the last you know thirty five, forty plus years to kind of lead up to where we are now. Because right. what's kind of wild is I don't regret anything from the past. Because a lot of it's like learning experiences, a lot of stepping stones, you know? I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess if I go back in time, there's some things I probably would have done a little better. And there's some, you know, girls I dated, I probably would have <laughs> probably would have done things a little differently because I, I was kind of a jerk when I was younger. So Who was it? Yeah. And, uh, and, and you know, my wife had been through for over 20 years and, you know, we're, we're going strong and everything's awesome. But it's just, but yeah, when I was younger, I was kind of a jerk. So, uh, you know, is in, in the business world and in the social world, I just was, I was just really cocky, you know? And then, and then the thing is when you get older, you just kind of realize what's important in life and how to prioritize things. And, uh, yeah, it's just, you, you, you guys will know when you get older. It's like, <laughs> it, it, it'll all make sense. Trust One me. day soon when we grow up guys. Yeah. yeah. No, but no, but no, what I'm saying, <laughs> no, is I that, know. what I'm saying is that, yeah, I mean, there, there's, there's, there's knowledge and experiences I have now that I wish I can go back, like, you know, totally get in the DeLorean and go back, like, you know, <laughs> go back, go back to 1985 or 95 or whatever, you know, and, and kind of talk to my younger self and kind of, cause the other thing too, I'll tell you right now, is that so much advice that my parents gave me that I was like, you know, many, many years ago, it, it it's so true and so dead on. And, and God, I'm thinking like, wow, there's, there's some stuff I probably should have listened to, you know? <laughs> yeah. Because uh, I'm really like, wow, they were right. You know, isn't, what's, isn't what's... it the best kind of advice though? When it's, when it's like timeless, like you can get something like I know my dad has told me things as a kid that I yeah. would like, I'm like, that was like 20 years ago. Yeah. Like, and it still like is very relevant to what, like. Yeah. What's one thing they told you that like held on? That you're like, oh shit. Uh, Absolutely. My, my mother told me something a long time ago, and I actually say this to other people all the time. Was uh, <laughs> it was just something where I was just going through a really rough time my senior year of high school, and uh, I was just like just grouchy and just kind of a jerk about a lot of things, and 
And uh, yeah, I had a girl I was dating with a relationship went went south, and and uh, I don't know, just a lot of it was like it was like this two week period of time where all these like bad things happened just one after another, you know. And uh, and I was just being like a total jerk around the house, and my mom kind of sat me down. She's like, she's like, look, she goes, you either need to change your attitude or change your environment. She's like, and if you do that, you'll be fine. She's like, you're, you've been kind of back like a jerk lately doing this and that, blah, blah, whatever. And, uh, and not meaning like environment, like kicking me out of the house, but just, um, you know, I had a couple around yourself with, yeah, I had a couple of friends that were kind of like knuckleheads and stuff like that, whatever back then. But, uh, no, but just, but at the end of the day though, it was just something where it like really resonated with me because whenever I'm around anybody who's being like all pissy or just mad or whatever, this and that, like I, I literally say the same words to them. It's like, okay. You can control your attitude. You control your environment. You know, you know, make make a decision here. You know, right. and uh, and if you work on your attitude, your mindset, or if you put yourself in a different environment, it's more positive and better. It's like you're gonna be fine. But if you keep yourself in this really, you know, pissy attitude, or you're in this environment around these like bad elements, it's like nothing's gonna change. You know, this is gonna just keep happening. You know, and uh, yeah. Well, and I mean, even with. When you said change your environment, my head like immediately went to like my um, like, I mean, I've had therapists tell me this. I've had, you know, my my dad would always tell me this and he was always like, clean your room, like just clean your room, your ther- straighten up. Your therapist would tell you to clean your room. Yeah. Well, no, my, pers- <laughs> my therapist never saw my room. But he would he like he would just be but like, he had it, an it, idea, but he was <laughs> no, he was just like, listen, he's like, if you have stuff on your desk and stuff uh, like just clean it up before you get to like doing your homework, your, yeah. you know, your work, like whatever you're doing, like as soon as you like change that space a little bit, it just feels fresh, feels yep. new and you can focus better. You're like, Oh, and like you can take those seconds to yourself. And I think that's like, I mean, that is amazing advice. But uh, what I wanted to ask was, is there a, what, what's the biggest piece of advice that you would go back and give to yourself in that um, time machine? Um, you know what? This is so embarrassing to say. Is uh, if I go back in time, I would have told my younger self to uh, to be just smarter with money, because I think of so much stupid stuff I spent money on, and and also heck, it's like I think about from the ages of like twenty one to like twenty seven, I went out partying a lot on the weekends. And when you live in a city like this, oh, and, you, I know. and you go on the weekends, I mean, <laughs> we're right there. I mean, you, you could drop two or three hundred bucks going out with your buddies, you know, doing rounds of drinks and this and that. Or especially you know, if you like hanging in Wrigley, yeah, like it's yeah. easy. And then and then it's <laughs> like easy. and then also, I mean, there was a phase where a bunch of us went we go to these stupid clubs back then, and like you, you get bottle service, or whatever. I'm thinking it's just like. Don't get me wrong, I had a blast. I had so much fun, but then <laughs> I'm thinking, man, it's like. It's like I barely even drink anymore now, you know. It's don't, like that's, that's kind of where we're at, you know. Yeah, don't that's what I was gonna say. Like, don't you need you you needed those experiences though oh, to yeah. kind of tell yourself like, all right, yeah. like I lived a little, but now yeah. it's time to like focus up and yeah. you know pursue whatever, or yeah. at least put like more back into myself. Because I notice yeah. like not even that I don't enjoy drinking. I, like yeah. I love going out having a few beers. I just don't like the way it makes me feel the next day. Well, well, that's exactly it. Is you, you hit it right in the head, Jackson? Is that um is that it was, it was kind of like a compound effect because one sense, you know, during that time I was, you know, 
just pissing away money, uh, going out, getting drinks and having fun or whatever. But then also, yeah, I'd sleep into like, you know, sometimes noon or like one in the afternoon and, uh, and then next thing, and then, then go out and do it again the next <laughs> night, you know, and don't like I said, I had a blast, but then I'm, but now it's like, you know, I got like multiple businesses. I got all these like business partners. I got people that I'm like developing and all that stuff. And I'm thinking, wow, it's like, if I would have had that kind of mindset, the mentality back then, I'd probably be doing some really even like more cool stuff right now. But you know, you, you can't live in the past. You gotta, right. you gotta move forward. But, but yeah, if I can go back in time and talk to my younger self, I would have said, yeah, man, it's like, have fun. But instead of getting like 10 drinks tonight, get like two or three, and because because nowadays what I do, to be honest, is, I mean, I don't drink that much when I go out. But what I'll do, I'll be like one vodka soda and then I'll just drink water the rest of the night. And then if anybody like kind of goes, hey, where's your drink at? I'll just I'll like a water with like a lime in it. And they think it's a vodka soda. I'm like, yeah, I got it right here, you know? Right. Yeah. Because I don't know. It's our thing, too, is I think that when we're younger, it's like there's just this constant state of like competition and like flexing and trying to like look cool to everybody you know it's just we all do it it's just stupid you know but um i look back at it now and i'm thinking like wow it's like what was what was i trying to prove you know yeah <laughs> it's like well, it's like I, who am i trying to impress I, I get that completely you know like i've, I've definitely got buddies like like you know sonny and tyler who Thanks. will be like no <laughs> thank you no, <laughs> no but Jackson's no who, 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 will, who will allow who will like i'll be like oh you don't want to drink that's cool but then i also have friends that are like where's your drink at buddy oh, yeah. you know so like that's i actually started doing something similar where i would get the yeah. like a vodka cran and then like do yeah. just like cranberry yeah. and soda water just and everyone thinks you're drinking and you're like yeah. Whoop, it's crazy <laughs> yeah and, and the funny thing is is as as guys there's this this magical word that if someone says this word to you you'll do anything and it starts with a p and ends in a y so yep. it's like so if someone so someone says that word to you it's like you could be in the top of the you know the freaking sears tower and so it says jump like no i'm not going to well you're a Okay, fine. I'm gonna do it now because you called me that word. You know, it's like, and it's like, and then you know, when you're younger, it's kind of like one of those things where everybody's like always trying to compete and act cool and act tough, whatever. And I don't know. It's like, like I said, I, I had a blast. It was fun, but I wish I could have had like some of that money I pissed away back then. Now because there's because a lot of cool things I could do with it, you know, and and build these businesses even more quicker than they are already you know yeah no i, I think that's awesome um and then, <laughs> like just you know the, the the growing aspect of it behind you know like oh like this is where i was and this is where i am and this is you know what yeah i just i think that's yeah. a great piece of advice to tell yourself because i would tell myself the same thing yeah it's like just like you could have saved so much by now but yeah. you didn't you bought a tv <laughs> you <laughs> bought a computer <laughs> you did all yeah. this cool shit but whatever um yeah. well it's uh like to tie it in kind of all together, it's yeah. interesting how they got networking events or whatever. Yeah, there's, we haven't even touched on always, networking events, and no, he's but the king there, of networking events. There's always, Chicago. like, you know, there's alcohol through the oh, roof yeah. at most networking events. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you think it's it's used almost as, like, a tool to loosen people up to actually oh, it, speak to each other or, you know? Well, it, I, I like to refer to it as... Uh, either a social lubricant or in other cases, truth serum, you know, depending on the situation. But, but, uh, but no, I mean, that's the thing is that, um, you know, when it comes to network events, yeah, we, we always do them at like bars, clubs, restaurants, whatever. And, and yeah, and then we usually have, uh, you know, liquor sponsors, you know, shout out to Grey Goose and Bacardi, you know. They, you can they, sponsor us anytime. Yeah, they've, uh, yeah, they've, uh, 
They've uh, done very well well for us over the years. Yeah, um, they sponsored my birthday. Exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hell, yeah, they did. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so... Um, but but like I said though, it's just I, yeah I think lots of people. But but yeah, I guess to kind of you know bring everything to networking, how that all came about, really, just as a quick little story behind that was was yeah five years ago, me and uh, my buddy Greg Greg DeCal, we we've been friends for like over ten years, and uh, we both were kind of frustrated about you know working for corporations and selling software, selling digital marketing, whatever, and then every couple of years having to like recalibrate and pivot because we're selling something that's like you know that was cool two years ago now it's obsolete you know because mm-hmm. the technology world it just it evolves so quickly you know and um and at any rate uh yeah we started appointments iq which is like a sales and marketing business development lead generation company so we we're able to take our years of experience of being salespeople and you know getting you know, in front of decision makers and knocking down doors and making stuff happen. And we started applying that to small, medium-sized companies that could use our help and be that kind of that stopgap because a lot of times companies would want to hire, you know, a sales team, but it might be three to six months till they see any like results out of that. And they're W-2 employees that they're on the hook for, for like salaries and benefits and all that stuff. So we came up with a solution like, hey, use us for like two or three months on an ad hoc basis. And if we produce results, then keep us on contract for longer. And that evolved into where people would be like contractors for us. They'd be working with a client and be like, Ooh, this person's awesome. Can we just hire them from you? And then we kind of said, sure. And then we kind of turned to like a recruiting sales recruiting company too. (laughs) You know, we kind of, kind of evolved because we just kind of looked, what, what is the market asking for, you know, and how can we fill those, those voids? But the real uh, awesome thing that happened, though, was that me and Greg would go to these networking events, and I'd always been going for for years, but I kind of got him into that whole scene. But as you guys know, when you go to a networking event, it's $10, $15, $20, and you you get a couple of drinks or whatever. So all in, you go to an event, that's like, you know, two to three hours of your life, and it's you know, it can be like 20 to $40 that you spend and like cabs, Ubers, you know, food afterwards, you know? So the thing is that I was going to like, you know, six to 10 events a week for like a good year there. And I mean, the money was just flying out on that, but the returns were good because we we're getting new clients, new partnerships and all that. But then when I came with this idea, I'm like, okay, well, I know a lot of people. I go to all these events. It's like, I, I usually tell people where to go and they usually just listen and they go. So I went to all the event uh, you know, owners or people who ran these events. And I said, Hey, uh, I got an idea. I got a pretty big following of people. that pretty much go over. I tell them to go, <laughs> you want to sell more tickets? I go, I don't want a single penny. Just I'll, I'll promote the holiday event. I'll get a bunch of people here. that will buy tickets. All I ask for is, you know, a couple of tickets for me and my buddies to get in and maybe a couple of drink tickets. And they're like done. So then I went from spending, you know, hundreds of dollars a week on events to like zero dollars a week. And um, and then also I was building a database, too, because I put together like this newsletter in this Facebook group. And I literally call it Tony P's Network Events Newsletter, you know. None of these are my events. These are other people's events. I was just helping promote and get people to show up in exchange for free access and a couple free drinks, you know. But then what happened was everyone would think they're my events. You know, people would show up and they'd call me and be like, dude, this event's awesome. Thank you for having me, blah, blah. I'm like, well, it's not my event. They're like, but yeah, you're on the email. I'm like, no, I just promote it. It's not mine. 
And then people would be like, well, why don't you do events? I'm Light like, bulb. Yeah. And uh, so then I, so then my business partner, Greg, and, and Jackson obviously knows him very well, but me, me and Greg are like polar opposites because, and we kind of balanced her out very well because I'm, you know, analysis paralysis guy. It's like, I have a situation. I'll think of like all these different what if scenarios. Like if we do this, this could happen, this, this could happen, you know? And, uh, and also I tend to try and look at all the bad outcomes first. So that way I kind of try and mitigate the risk, you know, whereas he's like, screw it, let's just do it. You know, he's like, it's like Nike, just do it. And, um, so I'm, so I'll spend time like thinking of everything. In the meantime, he'll just say, Let, let's just do it. If it doesn't work out, then we'll try something else. Or we'll do something different. We'll try it again, you know? So for six months, he was hounding me on a daily basis to like do events. And I kept saying, no, I'm, I'm too scared. I'm too nervous. What if it doesn't work out? What if this happens? That happens. And he's like, and he's like, well, what if it goes well and we kick ass and a lot of people show up and it's awesome. I go, Man, that's a good idea. Yeah. yeah. Like, that, that can happen. happen. That can happen too. <laughs> You're like, then that would be ideal. I go, like... that would, that would be really cool if that happened. So, so sure enough, August of 2017, we did our first ever event. We did it at rocket rest in peace, but, uh, um, on, uh, on Hubbard there. Um, and uh, so we were expecting about 100, 150 people to show up and like 275 showed up. Wow. And we're like, wow. and that's when they're like, wow, this, this actually worked. But the reason why it worked is because we had attended so many events and we kind of were able to look and see what we like and what we don't like of other people's events. We kind of just cherry picked all the good stuff and all the good elements and kind of put it into ours. And, uh, and we, we did a lot of crowdsourcing. We'd ask people, what do, what do you like? What do you not like when you go to events? So then we kind of customized it to the ideal situation. And people came and had a blast, you know, and we got videos and pictures and stuff. And then we put together like a Facebook page and a LinkedIn page and document everything. And then we, you know, started using Eventbrite to sell tickets. And, and then it became like a monthly thing uh, for three years there where we just have a different venue and, and then we'd have all like you know sponsors and stuff. And then sometimes we'd have like a guest speaker. And one time we had one where we had like people that were you know authors. Like your your dad was at that one we did at Bounce a couple of years back. Yeah. Um. He was like uh you know you know his book that he was autographing and stuff. Um. And Wayne Messmer yeah, was there too. Yeah. And which Colin Egglesfield was, was there. Exactly. Yeah. So oh, that was the same night as my birthday. Exactly. Yep. So yeah. Yeah. The big two one. <laughs> yeah. God. Yeah. So uh, great event. Yeah. So. uh <laughs> So, so at any rate, though, yeah, that's where that, that kind of all evolved. And and the thing is, when we, when we do these events, um, obviously, it's networking for business. But the key thing that I always tell everybody on the team and people that attend and the sponsors and all that, I go, I go all you got to do is just two simple things. Have fun and make friends. Because everything else will kind of organically develop out of that anyways. Because, I mean, think of all the network events you guys have ever been to in your life, and you always see those guys who have, like, a stack of business cards, just kind of hand them out like they're candy or whatever. <laughs> or then they then they tell you about how great their product or service is for, like, five minutes, and, you're, and you don't get a word. You're just kind of listening, like, uh-huh, yeah, cool. Then they, then they, boom, they move on to the next person. You're like, like who's that asshole, you know? <laughs> you know? And then and that's kind of like you get this horrible first impression, but then there's people like that you see at, like, every event, and then it's like, oh, God, there they are, and you, like, try and avoid them, and then and then you warn other people, so it's like, I never wanted to be that guy, you know? And um, so we do, like, the opposite approach. It's like, it's like just have fun, make friends. When you when you meet people, you know, ask 
the other person about them first, you know, like, hey, where'd you go to school? Or, hey, what's your what's your favorite Italian restaurant? Or what was the last good concert you saw? You know, that's what I do. I ask all these random questions or, hey, um, got any cool vacation plans this summer? Oh, wow. How'd, how'd your daughter's soccer team do last week? You know, just anything that has nothing to do with business, because then you're connected on this human level and people like you and trust you because you're not trying to sell them something you know you just want to just hang out and just get to know each other and a lot of times you'll meet people or maybe there's no correlation to what you do or they do for business like there's no way it ever makes sense you'll ever do business together but and there's hundreds of people that i know that way but i became awesome friends with them and friendships mean a lot but then also we refer business to each other through our other channels you know so maybe like, for example, I do mortgages, I do credit repair, I do all these different things. And uh, and some people are like, okay, well, I already got a mortgage and my credit's fine or whatever. But then they'll be like, but you know what? I got a cousin of mine whose credit score is 500. He wants to buy a house next year. Do you want to talk to him? I'm like, yes. You know, <laughs> so, so it's kind of like, um, you know, there's, like I said, you just have fun, make friends, you know, ask people a lot of questions and and here I'll do a, a quick book plug uh how to win friends and influence people by Dale Carnegie that is one of the best books ever written for life and for business and it's not like you're manipulating people but it's like really basic duh sort of stuff in there it's like like when you meet someone ask them a lot of questions take a genuine interest in what they're doing you know you know, uh, try to help others first before taking care of your own needs, you know, because when you do all these things, it, it has this like cumulative effect where all of a sudden, you know, all these people you meet, they want they want to help you, you know, because it, it's kind of like the opposite. It's like you're not asking for help. You're offering to help others, even if you really, really need help bad. But then the the universe has a way of kind of correcting itself where all of a sudden people want to help you and, and, and take care of you, you know, because you're taking care of so many other people, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome, man. And, like, I mean, I think having, you know, Greg there to, like, balance you out, that's kind of like when I met Sonny, I was like, this guy is, like, on it. And I'm, like, you yeah. know, like, creative, yeah. just throwing stuff and seeing if it sticks. Oh, yeah. And he's very methodical. So, I like, oh, that yeah. was kind of the thing when I met him. I was like, that's why we click. It balanced it out. And, you know, I never even thought about it. Like, I've known you guys for years. I've yeah. never even thought about it like that. Oh, oh yeah. Well, it, 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 well here, I'll, I'll, I'll say a couple of things, and you guys will probably totally relate to this, is that when it comes to me and Greg, obviously, we've been friends for 15 years. So that's that's the top priority. But from a business standpoint, yeah, I'm more of the creative, visionary, kind of goofy cartoon character bobblehead who just kind of goes out in the world, does my thing, and, and basically gets a lot of the a lot of the attention, a lot of the, uh, the energy comes my way. And then what I do is I have a very strong, strict vetting process too, where I meet a lot of people and, and there's, if there's like a business, you know, correlation there, I'll kind of talk to people and kind of determine if it's a good fit or not. And then I'll bring them to Greg and then Greg's, you know, more of uh, finance operations, you know, kind of get stuff done. And also, when it comes to sales, when I was younger, I was I was a phenomenal closer because I was super aggressive. But now that I'm older and more chill, it's like I'm more of the door opener, biz dev, schmoozer guy. <laughs> and uh, and then Greg's more the hardcore closer, you know, uh, and get the contract signed and, and get things done. And so that's one way that me and him work very well is we have different lanes and we're 
pretty good at staying in our lane. Sometimes we kind of bleed into each other's lanes a little bit if the situation calls for it. But for the most part, yeah, I kind of come up with all the crazy stuff and put it out there. Then then he says, yeah, we should try that or no or not or, or whatever. And then, um, and, then, and then as far as executing, I mean, for a couple of years, it was just me and him. You know, now we got... Now we got like dozens of people that partner with us on appointments IQ on the events and all the other things. So now it's a matter of being able to kind of put the ego and the type A personality and the control aside and be able to delegate, you know, which yeah. is it's not easy to do. It's like, especially when it's like your baby, you know, it's like right. you do like, I trust this person, my baby, you know? So, so yeah, so it's a matter of just being able to, uh, you know, lead and inspire others and then trust others and, and, uh, and have that, that reciprocity with the, the people you're working with. Well, and yeah, with, with Tony P's networking events, like the amount that it grew though. So you guys have had it for how many years? Uh, a little over three years. So like, yeah, I mean, but the amount it grew, I mean, it started, you said around like 275 and yeah. it, you know, like I remember walking into Greg's birthday. Yeah. We, we probably <clears throat> like 450 that night. Yeah. And it was like, you know, in three years you're yeah. all, practically close to doubling you know and that's that's amazing that like oh and i think we have to we can't not mention that there are tony p's networking events is kind of the melting pot from all your other walks of life your you know green and shy and all that which oh yeah well 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 just to kind of break it down it's like yeah it's like i I work for a mortgage brokerage and a and a and a bank. So I do residential mortgages in all fifty states. Then I do credit repair for people in all fifty states. I do debt consolidation and debt settlement. And then appointments IQ is, you know, business development, lead generation for like small medium sized companies do that all across the country. And then and then the the events that we do, yeah, we got like the regular ones that are like all types of industries then we got greed and shy which is specifically geared towards the uh the cannabis industry but it's but it's the business behind it. it's not a bunch of people getting high it's it's about you know the actual business investing and growing companies and people looking for jobs people looking to hire people in the space because the industry is exploding like crazy i mean not even federally legal yet but it will be in the next few years and then so we're trying to be ahead of the curve because right. it's going to be going crazy and then then wine shy is like a wine tasting event we've done real estate events we've done cryptocurrency bitcoin um you know uh uh blockchain events so we just like to have like the general events but then also have ones that are very specific to an industry or to an audience because like i said we crowdsource people all the time we're always asking them what do you like what do you not like what should we try differently and one of the biggest you know, responses was, yeah, do do some more events that are more specialized for specific industries. Now, the other thing, too, which is kind of cool that I'll, I'll bring up also that's really been developing the last few months here is that because of COVID, uh, you know, pandemic, we had to stop doing in-person events in, uh, in March. And we did a couple of smaller in-person events for like 50 people where people wore masks and had hand sanitizer, everything. And those actually went pretty good, but yeah, then I was at those. those yeah, were amazing. Yeah, and they, they went well, but then we we did catch some backlash because people were like, "Hey, you're being responsible this and that." So we said, "Yeah," and then plus the COVID cases started going up, you know. But thankfully, no one directly from our events, you know, got sick or anything. But then we said, "Yeah, we should probably just stop doing in-person events, at, you know, cold turkey until it's safe." So then what we did is in 
uh, November, we started doing uh, virtual networking events, you know, utilizing Zoom, where it doesn't replace the in-person experience, but it's something to to keep the momentum going, to stay top of mind. But a happy accident has emerged out of that, is that the first few we did were, you know, mostly people in Chicago would log in, but then word started getting out. And then we get people from like LA, from Miami, from New York, uh, from Boston, people from all over the country. I mean, heck, a guy I know who lived in Chicago, he's like, he was like visiting family in Israel, but he wanted to be on. So he like, he, he like logged in from like Tel Aviv, you know? And then, and then we got a friend who she lives down in Mexico, but she's from here and she goes back and forth and she wanted to be on. So she logged in Zoom from Mexico, you know? Um, so then we decided it was, okay, cool. Let's do this. Let's do these events on Wednesday nights, you know, for, for anybody, these are virtual events, but then let's regionalize it. Let's start doing them for different parts of the country on a virtual level, because at some point COVID's going to be gone. At some point the world's going to open again. At some point it's not going to be like five below zero. It's going to be like, you know, <laughs> summer weather again. And, and we'll do these in-person events again. So instead of twiddling our thumbs for the next few months, let's just double and triple the amount of virtual events we do and we'll just keep building these audiences up. So, so like Tuesday, we're going to have an event that's going to be focused on people in the West Coast, like Vegas, Phoenix, LA, San Francisco, San Diego. And then we're going to add events for the Southeast, which will be people in Miami, Atlanta, Charlotte, Orlando. And then we're going to add stuff from the Northeast for New York, Boston, Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., and then we're going to have uh, the Southwest, which would be like Dallas, Houston, Austin, you know, Denver. I mean, it's more mountain. But so we're going to start incorporating these pockets of the country where we're going to cater to people that live and work and do business in those parts of the country on a, on a virtual level of networking for the next few months. Because what's happening is everyone's just like dying to get these like in-person events again at big <laughs> bars and clubs. Yeah. And, and now we got people all across the country that want us to host them at their bars and clubs in all these other major cities. So we're doing the virtual events to build up those audiences. So even though we don't, not physically in the same room, we see each other, we hear each other, we get to know each other and talk. And then, you know, let's just say June or July, you know, the world opens up again. We could do, big events again then boom all throughout the country too yeah then, then, already geared up then yeah. then what that means is where we don't have to focus on chicago anymore we can go yeah. go anywhere we want you know and and just so you know just put it out there um we got a couple people in miami that have access to yachts so they even said it's like yeah Hello. hi you, you want to do like hey. you want to do three or four hundred people on a, on a big ass yacht we're like yes so so we're already we already got that like in motion you know so once the, uh, you know, the restrictions are gone and we can do that stuff. That if you need volunteers, we're more <laughs> yeah. than yeah. yeah. But does yeah. COVID exist in international waters? Yeah. I'm just kidding. Well, um, well it, it's funny because in Florida, yeah, it's like in Florida, it's like, I don't think they even know how to spell COVID down there. It's like people wouldn't care. They're just like, well, whatever, you know. <laughs> yeah, he said yacht. <laughs> so networking in general. So obviously you have a passion for it and you like love meeting people through it and, you know, yeah. finding out just what's going on in people's lives. But... <laughs> I'm curious to what fuels you just in the overall generality, if that's, if I think that's a word, of uh, networking. Like. Wait, before he, we go into that, I want to make sure your mic's recording. Hi, so hi, hi. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, no, I can't remember my question. Uh, networking overall. Gen generality? Yeah, like what, 
why is networking so crucial? And like, what do you, as one that hosts all these events, like what's your biggest takeaway from it? Is it the fact that people can come together and whatever they can produce is like limitless or like what, what do you specifically love about networking? Well, well, I'll kind of go, go back in time a little bit in the sense that I've always been in sales my whole career. And so as a salesperson, it's like, it's all about exposure and getting in front of as many people as possible that could possibly buy or promote the product or service that I'm pitching, you know? And the thing is that, you know, we all get those annoying telemarketing phone calls. You get like crap in the mail, you get like constant spam emails and stuff. So the thing is that what I've learned throughout my career is that there's no way to replace human interaction, you know? And, uh, and I just feel that when you're with someone or a group of people and it's, and, and I, I definitely prefer nighttime networking events to daytime networking events. And the reason why is because there's something about once it's after five or six o'clock at night and the quote unquote work day is over, it's like people are not staring at their phones. People are not at their computer, you know, People are not in their office with people constantly coming in. Their phone's not ringing off the hook. You know, something about after six o'clock. When they have a weight off their shoulders from like yeah. the work day. And they're just yeah. Like, yeah. Well, and, and I know for a fact that's how I am. Like as yeah. soon as six o'clock hits, I'm like, shut off my brain. Yeah. Time to like zone out and like just me time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, yeah, it's like something about, you know, after six o'clock at night. And especially if you're in a fun environment, like a bar or a club, and there's a couple of drinks and, you know, most people are coming after work. So they're, I mean, now it's a little different because of COVID, but like we're talking pre-COVID, you know, people would be like, you know, dressed nice and, and stuff. And, and I guess the big thing is, uh, as a salesperson, I like to say, it's like, it's a room full of people or, or their guards are down or defenses are down. Meaning that when it's between eight to five, you're talking to people like, oh, what are you trying to sell me? You know, it's like people are just immediately like not interested, whatever it is, I don't want to buy it. Don't talk to me, you know, but then when it's at nighttime and it's an event and people are drinking and you're talking about anything besides business, then it's a way you kind of, you know, develop a genuine kind of relationship, genuine friendship there where then it's like, you're not that cheesy sales guy who's calling them like 20 times a day and send them emails <laughs> or whatever. You're that fun person that met at the bar there night that made them laugh and, and asked about their, their daughter's soccer teams playoffs you know whatever right. you know and and it just said that more that that human connection and, and plus i don't know i've always i've always been extrovert i've always liked making friends and just having fun so it's kind of way of taking what i do for a living and what i enjoy doing and kind of bringing them together um but also too is i I legitimately enjoy helping other people. I like making other people happy. I like making other people laugh. I like bringing people together and then having them come back to me and two hours later be like, oh my God, thank you for introducing me to so-and-so. It's like, we, we totally clicked and we're actually going to meet up next week and we got a potential deal we could work on, you know, whatever. It's like that. I get a lot of joy out of that. And, and, um, and is, uh, I don't know if you guys know who Zig Ziglar is. He's a really famous, yeah. uh, sales trainer and one of his famous sayings i'm probably gonna butcher it but it's something like it's like you can get whatever you want in the world as long as you help other people get what they want you know it's kind of some along those lines and so it's basically it, just the big takeaway is if you just focus on serving others helping others just being a good person and just being positive 
and you play the long game, you know, things are going to work out for you. You know, it's, but I think what happens, a lot of people are just very transactional and very self-centered and self-serving. And, and those are the people that come to like one or two events and they're like, yeah, your event was okay. We're like, what happened? They're like, well, I didn't meet anybody. You didn't meet anybody. You talked to like 40 people. Yeah, but I, I don't have any deals. I don't have any like things going on or whatever, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, well. That's on you. I go, I go, I go, this yeah. is a, this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Right. You know, it's right. like, you know, and, and, and then, and then, and then if someone I know like is into like working out, I'd be like, okay, if you go to the gym and, and work out and then you don't go again for like six weeks. It's like, what happens, you know? Yeah. Consistency. It's like, it's like all about the consistency. Yeah. Right. It's like, you gotta, you gotta put in the work, you gotta put in the time. But, but really what it comes down to though, guys, is that it's, it's a very simple thing is just take the attention off yourself and focus on the person in front of you and thinking, how can I help this person personally, professionally? How can I make this person better? Or what can I do that's going to, put money in their pocket or, or help them succeed. When you have that mindset and you focus on that, then everything that you need, it just, it comes to you like 10 times over, you know, but you got to play the long game though. Right. It's like, it's not immediate and it's also not linear. You know, it's not like if I help Jackson with all this stuff, all of a sudden, he needs a lot of help. All of, <laughs> all, all, all of a sudden there's like this scorecard, like, okay, well, well now I did these 10 things for Jackson. I just got to do 10 things for me. It, it doesn't work that way. It's like, you just, you just put all that good karma, that good energy out there. And eventually it'll come, come back around. Yeah. So I could do all this stuff for you guys, but then someone like over there from like five years ago, I haven't talked to will come out of nowhere and say, Hey, guess what? I need to do this, this, and this, and you're the guy who's going to help me do it, or, or I want to buy this from you. You know, it's like, so I know it's kind of some little weird and, you know, kumbaya spiritual stuff, but, but it's just, it's a simple man. It's like, if you just, if you're a good person, you help others and you, you legitimately want to help other people and be a good person and, and be positive and, and make legitimate friendships, then all the other stuff, it just, it just kind of organically just happens for you. You know, I mean, that, that I mean, I think that makes sense. No, yeah, one hundred percent. You and I have had that conversation oh, yeah. before, um, but I mean, you know, I, I've noticed, you know, throughout us sitting here, you, um, you always, you keep saying that you, you, ref, you refer to yourself as a sales guy, and yeah. like in my head, I'm always like Tony P is the networking and yeah. the relationships guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, and like, I think that's what it comes across more as is like, you know, oh, what yeah. I mean, just like he's a good friend. You know, yeah. I mean? he's a good guy to talk to and know. And, yeah. you know, like I met, you know, Greg and uh, Manny yeah. and uh, Ron Speaker yeah. through you and like just all great people, you know, and I like still oh, yeah. talk to all those people. Oh, yeah. Um, so literally as the king of networking in Chicago, <laughs> I have a very open ended question. Yeah. Is it all about who, you know? Uh, it's it's definitely it definitely helps. I mean, yeah, you definitely want to know people who have influence and, and power and can open some doors. That definitely helps. But here's the thing, though. It's about reciprocity, though, meaning that there's people that give and there's people that take. And what you do is you got to find that happy balance between give and take. Um, so... For example, you can know, you can have all these friends who are like power brokers who have all this influence and stuff. But if, if you just can't, if the only time you, you talk to them is when you need something or need a favor, eventually 
they're not going to take your calls anymore, you know, because then it'd be like, oh, it's Tony guy. He, he wants something from me, you know? So, so I think when it comes to networking and, and, and who, you know, it's having that, that reciprocal give and take relationship where you're not just taking all the time. You're actually offering something of value in return. Or what I like to do is I always like to offer something of value, like upfront you know, to someone with no strings attached, you know, and, uh, and just, just help other people out first. And then, um, and then what happens is, like I said, either that person will feel, you know, some sense of obligation to be like, to want to do something nice in return or introduce me to somebody or something. But, but it's never like this, like guilt trip or like scorekeeping sort of thing, because people sniff that out like a mile away, you know? <laughs> and, and plus it's just, it's kind of a jerky thing to do. But at the same time too, though, if, if there's someone that I've helped out a lot, you know, for years and years and done all these things, and I've never done one thing in return, you know, in a positive or value driven way, I'm not going to like, you know, list off everything. But if that person reaches out, I might not be as quick to respond right, right. as I would to someone who there's more of a give and take relationship with though. So it's, it's also kind of like, you can almost kind of like rank people, but, but to answer your question, yeah, as far as like who, you know, that definitely helps out a lot. I mean, in anything you do in life, but like I said, you just got to make sure that whoever that these people are that are that have that influence and power that can make things happen that you know, and make sure that you're offering something of value in return to them, because otherwise that it's not sustainable. You know, it's like not going to last. They're they're going to cut you off. <laughs> gotcha. No, that makes does, sense. does that make sense? Yeah, 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 it does. Yeah, it does. <laughs> um, to finish it up, I got a couple of yeah. uh, fun questions I want to ask. Sure. Uh, so the Super Bowl is literally this Sunday. Yeah. Uh, who do you have? Wow. Um, so okay, I'm gonna give you kind of a bizarre answer. Okay. Um, I'm thinking that at the end of the day, it's gonna be it's gonna come down to the Chiefs' offense versus the Buccaneers' defense. So if the Buccaneers can slow down Mahomes, which is not easy to do. Right. I can see the Buccaneers winning, but Mahomes is such a freaking stud. Yeah. It's like, I mean, he's, he's by far, he's like, he's like watching a video game. It's like, he doesn't feel like he's <laughs> real. Not, yeah. That's what I was going to say. It's like, he doesn't even seem like he's real. And, uh, and, and also too, it's like, Every time I, I say his name, it's like a little piece of me dies because I'm thinking like the Bears could have drafted him. But then, oh, again, yeah. <laughs> but then again, but then again, if the Bears would have drafted, probably would have found a way to screw it up anyways, you know. Very but, true. Very um, true. But uh, and Trubisky, then Trubisky would have been on the Chiefs and would have been like that a superstar there, you know. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> That's probably what would have happened, really, you know. Um, but well, but uh, but uh, well, oh, sorry. But to answer your question funny. though, um, I <laughs> this is going to be probably a very unpopular answer because I have a lot of friends that are Chiefs fans, but. In a weird way, I kind of want the Buccaneers to win because uh, even though I can't stand the Patriots or Boston <laughs> sports fans, because I have a lot of friends from Boston that never shut the F up, um, <laughs> ever, um, Brady's a freaking stud, you man. You got to respect and, greatness. And, yeah. and it's one of those things where I kind of I kind of want him to win the Super Bowl, so it got to be like a big, like, shove, you know. Shove it up Belichick's. Yeah, just yeah. kind of stick it to the whole Patriots or the Patriot way, right, you know, right, kind, right. Of, kind of stick it to all them, you know. No, I hear but, that. But we talked about that yesterday, and, like, I was like, because my comment was that yeah, Mahomes you don't watch, is hungrier. You don't watch football. So I, really I watch Mahomes, <laughs> though. Conversation. Yeah. And that was, and then he, but he said 
Brady okay, was so hungrier. to sum it up, he was like, he's like, Mahomes is way hungry. I was like, uh, no, Tom Brady is. You know why? Because he has six Super Bowl rings, and that, like, like the 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 dog who is hungriest runs yeah. the fastest. Yep. And like, it's like you can't tell me anybody else is hungrier. But anyways, away from away from football. <laughs> the, the question: So the weekend is performing at the Super Bowl halftime. Who would be performing at your Super Bowl halftime if you had the choice, and why? Okay, so I got I got a quick disclaimer though. Um, could it be like any musical artist of like any anybody. era, anybody, yes. or or, is it, or it be someone like present day? No, no, anybody, no whoever anytime, you want. Anytime. It doesn't matter what other people want or like. Yeah, it's all about uh, you. Okay, if I could have like the dream Super Bowl halftime show performance, it would be Led Zeppelin in their prime. That's I mean, good. Like yeah, I'm talking, can't argue answer. with that. I'm talking like I'm talking like. Like like 1974 Led Zeppelin, you know, yeah. would be freaking insane, you know. That yeah, would, that would be pretty amazing. Um, yeah. Who is one person, no matter the cost, that you would want to hear speak? Oh wow, uh, living or dead? Yep. Yeah. Uh. Wow. There's like so many going through my head right now. <laughs> I can't. Uh, you know what? Uh. Probably, probably Elon Musk because oh, okay. because that dude. I was uh, not expecting that. <laughs> Neither was I. Yeah, because he just because uh, what I like about him is that he's like freakishly successful, but he's he's done it his way, you know. No, for sure. Yeah. It's like he's he's not cookie cutter. It's like he kind of doesn't play, but I mean he plays by the rules, but he kind of does his own thing, and he. And, you know, he smokes weed and he kind of has like an FU attitude on, on people that, that question him and stuff. He definitely has an FU attitude. You know, every yeah. car, he has the model S, the E, and the X. He spelled sex with his car models. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. So, so, yeah. So, if I could, yeah, if I could just be in his presence and hear him talk and just kind of get deeper into his brain and his psyche, what's going on, that, I, that'd be pretty cool. Gotcha. All right. Uh, last but not least, top threes don't in the networking community. Top like, three, top three don't networking yeah, community. Like don'ts. Oh like, God. What's? I mean, I feel what? like we probably brushed over. Oh, probably. Wait, no. Yeah. Um. Okay. Uh, I can think way more than three. Go ahead. But the top three is number one is don't talk about yourself too much. Uh, make sure that you're having a a conversation, not a monologue, you know, because mm. what happens a lot, sometimes you get people that have a product or a service that are so excited about, it, or usually people that are kind of younger and a little wet behind the ears and just don't know any better. And I was, I was one of those guys back then too. just start, you know, puking about how you know, features <laughs> and advantages and benefits, of what they're doing. And they talk about how great their stuff is for like 10 minutes, then hand them their card. And then they, then they go and it's like, it's like, wow, it's like that person just like talked at me for 10 minutes and gave me their card. It's right. like they have no clue what I do or anything. It's like, so I'd say, yeah, I'd say definitely make sure you're not talking about yourself and your products and services too much. Make sure you ask the other person questions and have a conversation instead of a monologue. Um, the other thing, too, is uh, I feel ashamed to even have to say this because some people should know better, but it's it's a network. You know, people there to network and do business, it's not. It's not a dating event, oh, you know? Wow. Oh. And I'm not going to get into detail about this, but I've, let's just say I've 
seen screenshots of text messages that people have sent other people. And uh, it's like, like, just what the the hell are you doing? Like, just totally just inappropriate stuff. And, uh, and that's the thing is, you know, you get some women that are that they some of them don't like going to networking events because they know they're just going to get hit on the whole time, you know. So what I have to do is I have to tell the men, I go, this is networking. This is for business. It's like if you meet someone you're interested in, you know, find get their phone number and talk to them another time. But don't like blatantly like hit on someone or make someone feel uncomfortable throughout the event. Just right. be professional, be an adult, you know. So yeah, there's some people I have to kind of like coach on how to be respectable human being and not be a total like pervert jerk, you know? Um, and then, uh, what else? Um, and I guess along those lines is, yeah, it's a networking event. It's not, it's not spring break in Cabo, you know? So it's like, have a couple of drinks, you know, loosen up, <laughs> have some fun, but don't yeah. have, don't have 11 don't and go Frank the tank. Yeah, don't have like eleven and be like you know breathing heavy on people and, <laughs> and be being that guy that was like, don't be that guy that's overserved that that gets booted you know and that right. that happens sometimes too. It's, it's like, like hey, <laughs> can I give you my business card now? Yeah. Did I give it to you already? Yeah. <sighs> um, and, but but yeah, I guess and I, you know, and then also you know the other thing too is. You know, this is going to sound kind of see, I guess it's like a fourth thing is, you know, act as if like your, your boss and your parents are watching you, you know, like, you know, behave in that manner. Like, like, yeah, pretend like your, your boss, your parents, your husband, your wife, your boyfriend, girlfriend, like people like they're important in your life are like, they're next to you, like watching your behavior and just make sure you conform to that. So you don't make an ass of yourself or, or be a jerk or make other people feel uncomfortable, you know, because like I said, 95% of the people like Willie's events are like super cool and get it. Just every once in a while, I get some people that either, you know, just are socially awkward or they have too much to drink or they're nervous and they say and do the wrong thing, you know, and, and then every once in a while I got to pull people sign game a little coaching session. That's all. Gotcha. You gentlemen have anything else? Um, uh, can't wait, you, can't, wait, you, can't wait for Miami. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That, no, that'll, that'll be happening, man. You guys will, uh, you guys will get the VIP treatment that night. Awesome. Uh, and then, um, is there anything else you want to mention? I know we talked about green and shy, wine and shy. Yeah. Um, is it, what's the website? Tony P's networking oh, oh, events. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So as far as all the social media goes, it's, it's pretty straightforward. So it's literally Tony P's networking events.com. It's our new website that launched recently. We're on speaker built it and he did a phenomenal job. We're going to constantly be adding to it. And then if people go to uh, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and literally just type in Tony P's, P-apostrophe-S, networking events, uh, it'll, that'll come up. Um, and yeah, that's where we have, uh, you know, pictures and videos of like past events. And then we also have uh, updates, you know, the Eventbrite links and Zoom links for like future events and stuff. And, uh, and yeah, like I said, it's all about just very simple. You just get smart, fun, interesting people, kind of throw them together, introduce them to each other, and see if it can make some magic happen. Do they have to be smart? Uh, <laughs> at least pretend to be smart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fake it till you make it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then uh, they're on Wednesdays. The events are on Wednesdays? Yeah, the virtual events 
right now we're on Wednesdays at a uh, seven o'clock central time till eight o'clock central time. So it's just an hour and usually about 50 people on there. Uh, just to keep it nice and condensed. Those are the virtual events, but we go back to the in-person events. Those will be, you know, three to four hours long, you know, 300 to 500 people. And those will be like big bars and clubs. And, but that's probably several months away still, you yeah, know? So, yeah. um, but the virtual events we're we're building those audiences right. and what's cool is we're doing it on a nationwide level not just chicago anymore so like i said there's a lot of really cool things that are in the works and um you know and you know they always say when uh, life gives you lemon just make some lemonade you know <laughs> and uh, this pandemic has obviously sucked on so many levels but you know instead of whining and crying about it we thought hey let's take what we're doing with all these different things and find a way to make it work and plant some seeds for the future, you know? Yeah, awesome. Absolutely. Well, thank you for sitting down with us for as long as you did. And um, I don't even know how long it was. About an hour. Yeah, about a little over an hour. Um, But yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank uh, you, Tony. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for coming on. No, no, no. Thank you guys so much. It's a blast.